listening to the Rational Rage Network. and welcome back to the PWC Presents. This week, we're reviewing SmackDown again. Somehow, I was convinced into doing this by someone who's not even here. Jimmy, where are you? Um, no, Jimmy's Jimmy's taking a sabbatical tonight. So, um, I went ahead and I got uh, a great uh, co-host for this week. It's, it's none other than Jeff Lippman. Jeff, thanks for being on with me, man. How you doing? I'm doing really good, and it's funny you got that great, great co-host. So I killed him, and I replaced him. So that's really good. So yeah, some of you know my my shoot name. Some of you might know me as Evil Dose or the Malachi of Evil Dose. 
it's all the same and I happen to know where Jimmy is. Remember how when you were a kid, you really thought the quicksand was going to be one of those major problems in your life <laughs> and it hasn't turned out to be a problem at all? Jimmy stepped in some quicksand tonight and right now he's struggling with it. So, you know, and it's tough in the outback. So, you, you know, he only lives with two wallabies and, and a, a pack of dingoes and they're not very helpful. And don't forget to watch for the drop bears, Jimmy. Um, you know, we, we care about you and we want you to stay safe out there. <laughs> um, we do. All right, let's get into SmackDown because uh, it's a, it's one of those shows that uh, there's a lot of stuff set up here. And it's one of those shows where you're left going, man, they've got a lot of talent on this roster, but man, they don't know how to use it sometimes. Um Anyway, the show starts off with Daniel Bryan already in the ring. I think that's a botch straight out, straight out of the way. I think his entrance gets people excited. I mean, you, you can just play the stupid thing and have him walk down to the ring. It wouldn't have taken anything to just have him talk a little less and do the intro. Um, the canned audio is fine here. Uh, but it's not really loud enough. Daniel Bryan is a huge baby face. And when he's acting this kind of like this earnest sort of, you know, I'm down and out, but I'm going to keep fighting for you kind of baby face, the crowd just goes nuts for him. So I know they're doing their best, but I just figured it was worth mentioning. Uh, Daniel's given the, the usual promo that you would expect a baby face to give here before the, before the rumble, he wants to win the rumble, Jeff. Um, and he stumbles through this a little bit. I noticed a couple of times where he was, he was in the middle of a sentence and he said the wrong word. And then he went backwards and tried to, you know, re go, you know, sort of go back and finish the, the promo properly. Um, I, I botch this stuff all the time, so it's not a big deal for me, but it just, usually Daniel's a little smoother. Um, so it, it sort of stood out to me. Um, what do you think about what do you think about the direction that they're going with Daniel Bryan here, Jeff? Do you think that there's anything to this? I want to back up just a bit because it's a little bit strange because uh, you know maybe it's because you're up there in in the Great White North. But when mine started, he was coming out through gorilla position, and it did start with the walkthrough with the the uh, the yes move, the leader of the yes movement, and they were doing the yes chant. But I agree with you that, that it was a bit disjointed because he was in a, a sports coat and dress clothes. And it, it almost seemed like he was playing that role when he was the, the GM a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, I think maybe he was confused about what his role was uh, a little bit because he is a producer now. He is working more backstage. That's why he's been losing so much lately. Um, or that's the, the part of the reason he's trying to enhance other talent. He's going to transition to less in ring action and, and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people talk about the piped in noise and whatever. I'm never going to say anything about it. And I guess it, unless it gets really bad, because I remember 10 months ago, nine months ago, eight months ago, where everything was quiet and that was the worst that killed wrestling. So I, I said at that point, I'm never going to criticize fans for chanting, you deserve it. This was awesome. Throwing beach balls around, chanting what? I don't care. I... Silence in, in wrestling ruins it. It's noise is part of the show. So I'm okay with that. There's better and there's worse, but it was fine. But yeah, they're sort of building the Daniel Bryan under underdog story again, but not really because he's too established to be the underdog. So it's sort of, he was sort of building the, 
I'm getting old and this may be my last rodeo underdog story, which is fine, except he's losing matches and then they're not really putting him in a position to sort of, you know, ex explore that or exploit it. Uh, and then there was, this whole show was sort of a carnival. SmackDown's been the best show on wrestling for a few weeks now, um, which in back in the old days wasn't saying much, but these days it is. Um, but today was a bit of a today was a bit of a carnival. I know it's a go home show and it's supposed to be a bit of a carnival, but I'm not really sure it was a carnival in a good way. Did I answer your question even in the least? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did. Yeah. yeah. I, I asked. I asked you what you thought about uh, the way that they're pushing Daniel Bryan, and you talked about it. You even you know gave a gave an example of what you thought they were doing with him. I think you're right. Um, I thought you asked me how my day was. <laughs> <laughs> that was earlier. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it does definitely turn into a carnival, uh, starting with what happened next, actually. So AJ Styles music hits. Um, I'm always happy to see AJ Styles. He's a fantastic performer. I like his smarmy heel work. I think he's actually really, really talented um, in this role. Um, and the, the definitely looks like a carnival when he's standing next to Amos or is it almost or I I can never remember exactly what his name is. I say almost. <laughs> yeah, well they that's not on you because they have pronounced it differently after changing his name. Uh, but I think it's most of the time it's almost. Um, but his name was less important to me than that giant piece of tape bandage on his forehead, which was very just because first I was thinking he was sweating. I'm wondering why. And then I realized it was it was a bandage, um, and I'm wondering how he cut himself, like shaving. He's or was it from the training that he's doing at the PC? I guess I guess that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, well, well, judging from where it was, I was actually thinking that he was probably doing promo class with Goldberg. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, was he sitting down while doing it? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, I could I could get on Goldberg forever, but he's on Raw and I don't have to deal with him. So <laughs> let's. Well, it's, it was this was brand to brand invitational night, so Goldberg could have been there. He he could have, and thankfully he wasn't, because if he would have, I just would have went on a tangent. I'm a Bret Hart guy from up here in Canada. I do not like Bill Goldberg. I am never going well, to. You don't need to Bill be Goldberg. a Bret Hart guy from Canada. You can be a Bret Hart guy from anywhere. There's plenty of reasons not to be thrilled with Goldberg, especially related to Bret Hart since he did prematurely end his career. And, you know, Goldberg was definitely a phenomenon, but Bret Hart is, is an all-time great. And on At some people's list, the all-time greatest. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so these guys have a pretty standard promo battle between them. AJ's being a smarmy heel. Uh, Brian is the, you know, the, the plucky underdog baby face. Um, I have in my notes here, you know, wow, this could be a really good main event if this is what they're going to go with here, because, you know, these guys can both work. I should have known better on the go home show before the rumble that they were going to want to have 800 people in the ring at, at once to, to end the show. But um, yeah, I was, I was definitely looking forward to the main event being just between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Yes, Chris. <laughs> this um, was. Because <laughs> AJ said that I've been the gatekeeper into the Royal Rumble, but Daniel Bryan's already in the Royal Rumble. So the, but the implication was that 
Daniel, if if you want to get into the Royal Rumble, you haven't won lately. You have to beat me. That's why I'm here. I'm the gatekeeper. So you have to beat me in one-on-one action. Now, I'm not sure that that challenge was ever laid down or accepted or if it was ever a doubt that Daniel Bryan would be in the Royal Rumble. But that would have been an interesting story. Um, but I don't think it ever was. And, and from that moment on, you sort of knew you weren't going to get a, a normal match. Now, what we got was, like I said, a carnival. Um, and, and I want to call it messy, like, like some AEW matches. And it was like sort of when the whole dark order is involved and, and mm -hmm. everyone else comes out and it's sort of like a, a giant schmaz. This was a little bit more controlled than that, but that's just, but WWE tends to be more sterile period. Yeah. Um, surgical, I guess is the word I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure it's not to make it sound like it was better because it wasn't. I mean, when you have that kind of carnival, the chaos almost works for you. Mm -hmm. um, and this was not chaos. This, you know, this was sort of too controlled and scripted. Um, but I'm spending a lot of time talking about how this didn't turn into a singles match. And the and there's probably no spoiler on a review show, but the end was the last half hour was a giant uh, revolving uh, what are those things? Carousels. It was a carousel something. of chaos. <laughs> yeah. The carousel of chaos. Hey, that's a cool uh, podcast name. We should we should bank that one and, and think about that. Yeah. It, it could also be a pay-per-view. <laughs> it could. Well, you know, the, I mean, anything could be a pay-per-view at this point, Jeff. They did great balls of fire. So really anything at this point is going to be a, you know, a plus. <laughs> yeah. When, when venereal disease, a metaphor is a, is a pay-per-view. You're right. Yeah, Carousel of Chaos. That could be a fun little match. Absolutely. It or could, a disaster. Yeah. It, it could be that too. Um, speaking of a fun little match, uh, coming up next year, we've got uh, Bailey and Bianca Belair. Um, I, I got to tell you, I really liked this match, Jeff. Um, I thought that these two had a ton of in ring chemistry. Um, you can tell that Bailey's kind of walking Bianca through things. Um, and there were a few times where I, I feel like Belair attempted to do a few things that maybe she shouldn't attempt to do because uh, you could tell that she had sort of you know she had she sort of lost a step here or there where she wasn't in the right position because she was trying to do too much of a you know uh, you know flippy thing or whatever um, but I really liked the chemistry that they had I laughed out loud at my television uh, at one point here in the match where uh, Michael Cole was talking about how, you know, Bailey is, you know, she's been jealous of Bianca ever since Bianca was called up and Bailey literally stops in the middle of the match and yells, I'm not jealous, Michael. <laughs> uh, great stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like ba Bailey yelling at commentary that that definitely works for me and that and and that's someone being smart, knowing the environment that they're in. One of the really annoying things about WWE wrestlers, and, and it's the fault of the agents and the producers as well, is they still pretend that they're walking out to a crowd and they're still taking, you know, three and a half minutes from gorilla to, to, to the ring, like they're posing for a crowd. The at-home audience doesn't care about that unless it's the Undertaker or the Bray Wyatt spectacle or, you know, that, that stuff. I mean, no one gets excited seeing Drew McIntyre put a giant sword through a slit, you know, <laughs> up there and walking slowly or Dolph Ziegler dancing around. It's, it's just not interesting. <laughs> so uh, at least Bailey realizes it. Uh, I don't know what I just said, realizes it and does it and is allowed to do it. And it works, but 
I agree with you. This was between the first half of the match. There was definitely some sloppiness, especially when there was uh, like that, that toss into the, the Irish whip and Bianca sort of was going to do a shoulder press and then sort of stopped and Bailey had to walk her through it. And then like Bailey was prone on the ground and Bianca was sort of doing the crawl and, and uh, hammer uh, blows. They, they were as soft as can be and she's a powerhouse. So that looked sort of very indie shindy. But after the commercial, when we came back, the match was great. Um, and Bianca's finisher, which I think she calls the KOP, which I assume is knockout punch, but it's basically a torture rack into a slam. That is, that's a great finisher. Yeah, it is. Yep. It's uh it's like a torture rack, almost into like a front face buster kind of thing. It really, yeah. really looks like it's got a ton of uh, impact. Um, Bailey took it well. Um, post-match here, um, Bel Air gives a little bit of an interview uh, at the top of the ramp. She definitely needs to work on her promo skills. She's not quite to the point where she's smooth yet, but she certainly has charisma. She's the kind of person who you watch her talk. And even if she's kind of messing up, you're like, I, I want to pay attention anyway. You know what I mean? Um, so this was, this was good. This was a really good segment. Uh, it's a, it's a big win for Bel Air if they, if they push it as such, which hopefully the WWE will, um, you know, this could turn into a, a really, really interesting little program here that she's having with Bailey. Um, well, it has to be because it's got to get her to a point where she can face where she being Bianca faces Sasha at WrestleMania. So, yep, that would be great. That would I mean, man, if they can see, I just don't have faith in WWE pushing new talent anymore. I've gotten to the point where it's like if there is a if there is a wrestler from the 90s who is available and who will put on ring gear and come out the WWE will probably put them in the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> I, I just, I, it's, it is what it is. I'd love to see them push her though, because she definitely has some talent. Holly was looking pretty good on Wednesday night. <laughs> Amen. Um, all right. Speaking of, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Se you know, segue. I was going to say, speaking of looking good, but next up is King Corbin and, Ray's weird like, don't kid. This. I can't. This little thing is, this, this became sort of it, it, it wasn't by accident, it became a little bit important for those people who care about sort of the sub stories. And I'm one of them because I want every wrestler to have a story, even if it doesn't make it onto TV, because that's how you find out what works. They showed Cesaro talking to AJ Styles and almost in the backstage, and they, and they were, you know, like they were strategizing together, and that that came into play later on along with a couple other backstage stories. But yes, now now we come to King Corbin, who's solo again, without his the, the Knights of the Lone Wolf. So maybe he is the Lone Wolf. Maybe he realized the Lone Wolf shouldn't have Knights, or maybe the Knights uh, got exposed to something, or, or I, I don't know. Maybe a they have not in future endeavor, to my knowledge. Uh, this company. Uh, anyway, Corbin comes out. He gets jumped by Spider-Man, and they go to commercial. So I was very confused. I have no idea what was going on here. Why was Spider-Man jumping King Corbin? But when they came back, <laughs> when they came back, Ever it was since Iron Man died, he's kind of mean streak. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'd be pretty pissed off too if the guy who built my suit died. I'm um, used to working with Jimmy, who you guys take turns speaking. <laughs> like anything that comes to my brain just pops out my mouth. That's good. It's it's 
top quality audio. Hey, anytime something comes to your mind, if it's clever or funny, or even if it's not, but you just really want to say it, you go for it, Jeff. I'm happy to do this. Um, On the last point, Jack, bingo, got that. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, Ray, his weird looking son, uh, basically starts off the match <laughs> with no selling some punches from King Corbin in the corner, which right away just annoyed the crap out of me as somebody who boxed my whole life i know what being punched in the you know in the in the face by a, a golden gloves boxer feels like and i know that it's not a thing that you just shake off in the corner especially if he's a hundred and some pounds heavier than you um <clears throat> he botches a couple of moves here um corbin's clearly trying to walk the kid through the match you can you can see him like I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too deep into this because I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to crap all over these guys. Cause he is young. He is, you know, learning. Um, but you can, you can actually like hear Corbin talking to him and telling him what to do at certain points in this match. He's literally grabbing him and bringing him close to his ear and talking to him. Um, the match doesn't really turn into much. Uh, Corbin wins with the end of days afterwards, he attacks Ray, but Ray lays him out. And then he goes to check on his weirdo son. Um, you're, you're, you're paying much more attention to this show on a regular basis than I am, Jeff. Does Ray's kid really have a future in wrestling? Cause so far from what I've seen, he's not very even coordinated. So tell me about Ray Mysterio's kid. Sell me on him if you can, Jeff. So much to say. Um, First of all, even though he's young, he has been training to be a wrestler probably his entire life. So what is he? He's probably, what, 23-ish, 24? Okay. So he's probably been training at least a dozen years. Um, So I don't know that the excuse that he's young really carries. I mean, I know there's a difference between training as a kid and as an adult, but he has been training. I mean, Ray Mysterio was was training since he was 13 years old also, and he, he was further along at, at this age. Um, Dominic has not taken life very seriously. As recently as a couple of years ago, basically all he did was get merch through his father and sell it over Facebook and the web, and that was his means of living, basically. Um, you know, his father would sign masks from and he would you know have them sure. auctioned and whatever and you know he he wouldn't even do it cod he's like what's cod i'm like cash on delivery he's like dude no one does cash on delivery i actually sent him screenshots that ups fedex every place does cash on delivery i'm like it's like if you're fake i don't get screwed if i'm fake you don't get screwed it's it's actually really smart and he's like no nah, i'm not interested i go okay neither am i um but in any case that that that's really not what you asked me um, I'm not a big fan of anyone who's 5'11", 140 pounds in wrestling, period. People are saying, he's a tall kid. He's 6'3". No, he's not. He's tall next to his father, who's 5'5". Five, five. He's, 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 not, he's not tall, but you see him next to Baron Corbin. And that Corbin is nine inches taller than him. Um, and Corbin's probably 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, so the, the kid is probably a smidge under six feet tall. Um, which is not short. I'm under six feet tall, but it's not tall, tall. Um, do I think he has a future? No, I don't think he gets it. He, he's a spoiled kid. He's only first getting into adequate shape. He's never going to put on a whole lot of bulk. 
at best, he's going to get a Dustin Rhodes kind of physique. And Dustin Rhodes didn't get that physique till he was in his late 40s. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, I don't see it. He doesn't sell. And this whole story, I feel like the only thing that Ray has been focusing on the last couple of years, aside from fighting injuries, was to make sure that everyone in his family was getting paychecks on his, on his uh, re-up on his contract with WWE including his daughter, Aaliyah, including his wife, Angie, the potted plant who comes out there and almost says nothing. They all come out there and they're Louis Vuitton and Versace and their Armani couture because that's what badasses do. Um, obviously Miro thinks so because he's copied them. And, <laughs> and of course, Dominic's been on TV and everything with Ray has been painfully awful. And, and just like Roman Reigns, I blame the father. I don't blame the son. But to get specific... Wasn't it for the last two or three weeks that Ray kept telling Dominic, if you don't win, it's going to be done my way. And then he lost. He goes, okay, now it's my way. Well, now he lost again. What was the difference? That, that Ray was sitting there a commentary while he lost? I mean, the, the, what was the difference? Well, you know, weren't we supposed to see him training with, I don't know, Cain uh, Velazquez or Alistair Black or Mike Tyson or something? The, 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 androgynous demon from NXT who's training Zia Lee. So, something <laughs> to, to show what, what is this way? He, he's like Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara keeps saying, one more thing and I quit. It's been 32 things. Rey Mysterio, <laughs> okay, now it's going to be my way. Your way looks like a lot like the, the other way. Anyway, I agree with you. Corbin won clean, uh, and then he tried to attack Ray afterwards. Ray got the best of him. And so this thing continues to go on i assume baron corbin is so, uh, somewhere along the line will lo lose a nostril i mean i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> oh god wwe you're terrible um yeah i think that if if ray's kid dominic really wants to you know up his up his training he needs to ditch his mom and get with mitch because he's a much better potted plant i'm just that's all i'm going to say about that um <laughs> backstage segment coming up next here it's biggie uh, he's talking to sonia deville uh he's he, you know he likes sonia's uh, outfit he likes the pantsuit um I, it's fine it doesn't really turn into anything miz and morrison show up the promo Whoa, between them all oh, chris chris he slipped her one dollar for a better royal rumble number <laughs> he slipped her a dollar he did he did indeed one dollar what uh, the hell was that? That was Big E in a nutshell. Um, look, I I have this been e face turn is the this it's the strangest character. He's like he's like he's like a he's like a secret heel, and he's not good at it. It's he's a secret heel who's really bad at being a heel. Um, I really like Big E as a talent. Um, I have, I've mm -hmm. definitely been following along and watching and hoping that they do something with him. Uh, I like him in the spot as the Intercontinental Champion, uh, but I really, yep. I really would like to see some seriousness from him at some point. Because even when he's in a brawl, like even when he's fighting with people, he's still joking and shaking his hips and you know swinging the the belt around like it's his penis. Um, <clears throat> I get wanting to be entertaining, but there's a certain point where, you know, your, your job is to pretend you're a fighter. So you need to, at some point, pretend like you want to fight somebody. This is my same issue that I have with Rich Swan, who, you know, over on impact, I feel like is a really, really great talent, 
but you're about to go Who? up against yeah okay you're up you're about to go up against a guy who's beaten you up and beaten your friend up and just about made your friend retire and you're still dancing your way to the ring I, get serious at some point right like you have exactly to get some range you you can be the guy who swivels your hips and still be taken seriously in a taunting mocking way it's hard as a face but you want to see a little bit more rick rude and less that's wonderkin alex bright or disco inferno yeah. and, and right now biggie is doing sort of more of a disco inferno uh move set and his face you know when he tries to be an attitude but a good guy at the same time to me it sort of comes off as like the joker laughing you like he smiles like he does that strange artificial laugh it almost seems like he wants to eat you like it was when charlotte was doing that interview saying my friend asuka and then did that smile it looked like she was about to eat like she was the, the, the clown from it like she was pennywise uh biggie sort of gives me the same vibe so so let me say what i do agree with love him as an individual talent love him in the ring love his look love his natural charisma i don't like what he's doing with this character i think this is him He's finding his way. I think he can do it. Just somebody, I think, needs to tell him that, that he needs to sort of normalize his character. And if you can't normalize the character, be the, be the quiet face who is no nonsense. Be Steve Austin. And if you're going to do the hip swivel, do less of it just as a taunt. Mm -hmm. No, I, there's... It... It seems like this is a almost an epidemic in the WWE where people just, you, you know, I agree with you that they are definitely more, and I think far, like far too sterile. Um, but there are just simple things that you just would expect people to say to someone like Cesaro's playing a heel, right? He's been playing a heel for the last couple of months. Um, he's been, you know, taken pretty seriously by the, by the booking. Um, but the other, the other day he was in a match and he did the big swing. You're a heel. What are you doing? You know how the, you know how the crowd's going to react to that. You know what that move does to people. Why, why do that? And, the, you know, to me, it's a similar problem. Like with Big E, just somebody needs to take him aside and say, Hey, look, like, I know what you're doing. I get it, but we need a little more seriousness out of you at this certain point or Cesaro, you know, Hey, I get it. It's a big move. We know that you like to do the big moves, but we want people not to like you. And when you do the big swing, it automatically makes people like you. So please don't do that for now. Yeah. Do more of the flying uppercuts. Yeah, exactly. It still looks impressive. It's still like, like Cesaro doesn't need the big swing to be a great professional wrestler. And Big E doesn't have to look like, you know, his eyes are bulging out of his head to be a face. You know, you can tone it down just a little bit. Um, yeah, I agree with you on Big E. I'm not sure about the Cesaro thing because there is no crowd, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, if there's a crowd, I would there's agree that. with you because you don't do pop moves, you know, but with no crowd, I don't really care. But um but it's good habits. I mean, it's good to get your brain your brain wired to do a certain thing. But let's face it, Cesaro is 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 mid card for life, which is not an insult, by the way. I mean, you most people should trade their kidney to be mid card for life in, in the major leagues. Uh -huh. um, so you know, uh, you know, occasionally he'll have a title, a tag team title, you know, a, a intercontinental U.S. title kind of thing. You know, maybe he'll have a, a, a title. Uh, challenge run but won't, won't win a major title but you know but he's always there he's on tv pretty much every single week in prime time yep. one of the four major networks um 
But yeah, this, you know, Mismo, as I call them, interrupted. They're there because it's Royal Rumble weekend. Really nothing just to let you know that they're there and they're there to sow chaos. And for whatever reason, Big E is in their, their targets this week for no particular reason. And Miz is teasing the money in the bank that, you know, he might use it on Roman, I guess, is the implication. Um, and then Morrison and Miz basically jump Big E and, and the three of them are fighting for, again, no particular reason other than they're all sort of acting like dicks. Yep. Um, I thought the implication was actually more that Miz might um, cash it in to get the Intercontinental Championship, which I just sort of well, shook you know my what? head That would at. make some sense. I get it, it but it, it would make sense. But at the same time, like, I just feel like the money in the bank used to mean something. And it just, for whatever reason, I don't know if, I don't know if it's just the booking the last number of years or what, but it seems to mean less and less. Maybe it needs to go away for a little while. I'm not sure. I think for a while it, it basically automatically meant that you were going to be champion mm. and then they changed it so that it wouldn't be, which I think is fine. I mean, and I think it was fine that Corbin failed. Uh, what Braun did was stupid as hell. I don't know if you remember this two years and obviously we're straying a little bit. Remember when Braun was a face and Corbin was the acting GM and Braun said, I don't, he was like talked out of it. He's like, yeah, you're right. I don't need this money in the bank case. I can, I can win the title anytime I want. So here you go, Baron Corbin, it's yours. What I was hoping would happen was, would be that, you know, Braun would lose his thing because he, his match, because he should. And that Corbin would then successfully cash in, not because I like Corbin, I don't, but it was so stupid and he got the case back that <laughs> that at least would have been a, a fun little interesting story. Yeah. He, yeah. Hold, he holds a title for a week or two weeks. Yep. Um, but now this thing with the Miz, I mean, the, the, you know, with Otis, you know, I guess he was hot for a second and, and then they realized that he really wasn't all that interesting. He was one note mm -hmm. and then they put it on the Miz just so that he could be a mosquito floating around because there are no crowds, because ratings are low and they just figured that he'd be an irritant and they gave him Morrison to make him a slightly more interesting irritant. Uh, but I'm not sure the two irritants help make it any better. I mean, Two mosquitoes don't improve one mosquito. No. Um, and I'm really waiting for their breakup. Yes, I like Morrison and I hate Miz. So I'm with you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I never put it together that they were targeting the Intercontinental Belt. And why not? Um, that would have made sense had they said that. I, I just know I, I didn't get it. But maybe because my brain is wired a certain way. So thank you for that, Chris. Yeah, no, no worries. Expanded my mind. No worries. Speaking of expanding minds, uh, next up, we've got Sasha Banks, and she is rocking this dress that she comes out in uh, for a backstage thing. Uh, Kalisto is there, and he says something about uh, Mamacita, because, of course, the, the the Latino guy has to say exactly the same things that Eddie Guerrero said. Otherwise, he must not right. be Latino. Uh, <laughs> oh, Vince. Vince, please go away. And he's about away. four feet tall. <laughs> yes, he is very, very what small. What would role? I mean, if Ray's there, shouldn't he be saying, Ray, retire, I'm supposed to be you now, you were supposed to be gone 10 years, you're blocking me? I mean, that's a story. That would be a great story. That would be an excellent would, would story to tell. Would one say, all this other shit doesn't matter? We've got Kalisto here. Let's have a new versus old match. Mm -hmm. Or Few, even if you, if you want to bring in Ray's kid, you can do a jealousy angle of, you know, you can have... 
Um, you, you could have you done something where Ray is helping to teach Callisto and then Ray's weird looking son comes in and wants to start learning and he's jealous of he's jealous of Callisto. So Callisto and Ray's weird looking son have to have a match or something. There's so many different Ooh. avenues for good storytelling that they just this? completely ignore. Dominic keeps losing and Callisto goes to Dominico. Hey man, your dad obviously doesn't have it anymore. How about I work with you? And he starts, Dominic starts having a little success and raise the jealous one. That's, that's an even better story. See, we just came up with like three or four really good stories that we could tell with Callisto and none of them involve him saying mamacita to people backstage. It's wonderful. <laughs> right. And you know what? Both your version and my version can lead to the original thing of Callisto versus Ray. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to uh, get up. You know what I did enjoy? I enjoyed Look. the whole wine thing with the sommelier. Mm. And Reginald finally spoke, so he's no longer a mime, which is great. Because sommeliers aren't mimes. They actually speak quite a bit, too much, yeah. Yeah. most of the time. Very pretentious and talking Hardly about tonal to nuts and node yep. nutty and heat and tannins and the grape and fruit forward and this spice and that spice you can feel the nutmeg and the apricot not apricot apricot um so and then sasha goes yeah well, why don't you let me know the best wine i can buy carmela that she can drink drink through a broken jaw it was good i, I, I this was probably my favorite segment of the night i was not gonna be negative about this segment at all um I, I don't care what they did. Uh, basically, seeing Sasha in that dress for a few minutes was like, yes, please. You can, you, you, she could have cut the Bailey, this is your life promo, and I would have been okay with it. it like, it was, uh, that is man. just one very, very attractive woman. But yeah, I did like the thing with the sommelier. I think that uh, Vince has a tendency to book people as being French before asking them whether or not they can do a French accent. <laughs> and that definitely came out here too. But I'm Canadian, so I hear that accent all the time. So maybe I'm just a little bit of a snob about it. Well, they, they I mean, one thing that they could do and get away with and should do is that they should, they should hire a real sommelier and, and give him really pretentious things to say about different wines. So at least he sounds like a sommelier, really pretentious and obnoxious and does talks about pairings and brie cheese and, you know, charcuterie and then what you know, kind of like wood that. the barrels were made out of. Exactly. And how long it's been when and the person going, I don't give a shit about this. I mean, that would be great. But no, they don't do that. The other thing they, they could have done and shouldn't have done, but I would love it because I'm crazy. And that's they should have made Reginald a Somalian sommelier. Oh, that would have been extra fun just for the sake of it, right? Like anytime you can just get a funny little quip in on top of things is great. But I, I don't see Vince McMahon. Yes, you could also say do Javadi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, Vince McMahon, he's your body. No, do your body. Do your body. No, do your body. See, Vince McMahon wouldn't get that because it's not a joke about bodily orifices and stuff because that's basically... But it could be, do your body, do, do your body. It could be your, your booty, do your booty. <laughs> you're right, you're right. You know what? Somebody should pitch that I to mean, Vince. I think you actually pronounce the country Djibouti, and I think that's really the way you pronounce it. So it could easily be an, or, uh, uh, an anus joke, and he would love that. <laughs> Somebody book it. Is it, is, it border, is it racial? Yes. Is it racist? 
I'm going to say no, but I'm an out of touch white guy, but I would just find it funny, but we're probably spending too much time on your podcast about that. But just the sommelier, they could do pure, legitimate, in-character comedy gold with that. Absolutely. All right. So next up, um, I don't know if this was another thing where it maybe was just a difference between the Canadian version and the American version. You tell me if this happened to you too. Next up was six minutes of recap of Roman and Kevin Owens followed by a commercial break. And I just stared at my screen for a second and thought, fuck off Vince. (laughs) uh... I I actually saw you post that. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Just come on, man. Like give me some, like, you know, if, if I know you're, you're basically saying, okay, well, we're going to come back with this interview. That's fine. You want people to be excited about the interview. That's fine. But this to me just fell completely flat. And after like a few other things that had fallen flat, I was just kind of like, Oh, yeah. somebody, I, I, I don't somebody like please recaps, teach him so how to book like properly story. again. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand you're trying to pr- sell a, a pay-per-view to whoever. I don't know who still buys pay-per-views, um, but a six-minute recap doesn't help anything. A minute and a half recap, Yep, I'd, I'd forgive. I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, if it was a shorter, if it was just a quick little thing about, oh, this happened last week and, you know, showing the pop-up powerbomb through the table and, oh, who's going to get the last word in before the pay-per-view? Sure, I get that, but not, I mean, six minutes of just, here's here's a recap. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on because okay. I could just, I, I could. Like their audience hasn't watched the last six weeks of shows. Exactly. That they treat every single episode as if I'm the only one watching because I don't watch this regularly. But it's like every you time I tune in from Memento. Every, it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's awful. It's, uh, it's okay. Groundhog Day, but you decide to watch wrestling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, never, never would never you happen. The Booker T was in Bad Bunny's music video. Yes, I saw that. I don't know who Bad Bunny is. And I don't care. I love hip hop, by the way. I'm a huge hip hop head. I have no idea who this dude is. Is he good? Well, I think that you might have just impeached yourself. I'm not sure because <laughs> I'm not a huge hip hop head. I don't know who Bad Bunny is. I knew Booker T was in the music video. I didn't know it was Bad Bunny. And putting it together, now it sort of makes sense why he's at WrestleMania. Um, and okay, listen, I, I don't care. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know who Machine Gun Kelly before he was on. WWE, you know, obviously I'm not hip and current. I didn't know who Flo Rida was. And somehow I went from hating that song to sort of liking it. So, you know, I guess something worked. I don't know. Well, that uh, you, you have that story all to yourself, Jeff. That is a truly original story. And no one else who watched WrestleMania that year has that story. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, I'm happy um, to share with your audience. <laughs> no well all i mean is like i think everybody else who who watched wrestlemania that year either went from liking it to hating it or they hated it to begin with and hated it more at the end i don't know that anybody went in the exact direction you went with that with that song jeff it's possible <laughs> all right so moving on here we've got uh sammy Zayn. he's backstage uh, he wants to talk to shinsuke i can i kind of I, I really really love sammy i think he's fantastic um to start off with, he kind of he kind of talks like a conspiracy theorist here as he starts off this promo. He says to Shinsuke, hey, uh, uh, don't you think it's weird? All these guys from Raw are here today. Like, 
what's up with that man which is exactly the way that conspiracy theorists talk like mm-hmm. everything is a conspiracy and everything mm-hmm. must you know must lead into it which i mean listen like i i'm i'm not a person who always believes the official story either but you just you can tell when someone is doing this where it's like oh god like shut up already uh um but i love him here uh he basically tells shinsuke that everything shinsuke's ever done good was because of sammy you know he had his first match in nxt with sammy uh which was a heck of a match by the way um uh, Shinsuke basically says, uh, you know, Sammy, I appreciate everything, but go to hell. It was good. What did you yeah. think about this this uh, backstage? I like, I agree with you. I liked everything that Sammy's doing. I like everything Sammy's doing with this role. Uh, the, the Picking up on my earlier thread, he mentioned several times, you know, you really can't count on Cesaro. You really can't, you know, he's doing his own thing. Cesaro's doing his own thing. Um, you know, so Will you watch my back? I don't know why Nakamura said go to hell. I mean, Sammy's never done anything to him. It was Cesaro and Nakamura that when Sammy walked in after coming back to to reunite the artist collective, um, they shushed him out of the room for no reason. So, I mean, the go to hell, I mean, faces act like heels in this company. Um, (laughs) Yes. I mean, Sammy acts like a heel too, but Nakamura could have just said, I'm not... I'm not going in that direction. I'm I'm forging my own way. Go, Sammy, you're right. I appreciate everything you did. And you know what? I'm doing this on my own. So, you know, don't help me. I can't help you. Something like that. He didn't need to say go to hell. Yeah, I I mean. That was mean. The whole thing where faces act like heels and heel, you know, you, uh, this is an epidemic in wrestling, not even just the WWE. You know, watching AEW last night where you've got, heel you've got the heels who are outnumbered by the baby faces and the heels are like fighting you know they're they're really you know fighting back to try to stay strong and you're like what the hell is going this is not a heel thing to do what what happened to the just basics um yeah this was definitely a <clears throat> one of those situations um i yeah, love wrestling industry-wide wrestling has seemed to have forgotten 101 with the exception of of ring of honor which only does two matches a week basically but they're they have seemed to remember they're even going below 101 they're trying to actually pretend like it's a real sport and and i don't know how long they can keep that up and mlw actually does wrestling 101 pretty well it's just it's like half of it is like good and interesting and half it is 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 just really shindy chintzy stuff mm-hmm. yep but i'll take it I, I like mlw as well i'm with you on that i the what i have seen from them like i'm i'm not the kind of person who's watching every th- every single thing of wrestling every single week there are you know i know that there are people like that and i have nothing but respect for them but i just i do i literally do not have the time to watch every single thread of wrestling every single week but yeah. what i have seen of mlw um yeah somebody there knows how to book that's what i'll say yeah, it's it, they they remember wrestling one on one, and then they throw in some things to make it interesting, and they borrow a little bit from New Japan with the multi faction thing, and you know, I, and they go over the top with some things, and it's it's like the right balance. It's just I'm not crazy about all of the people in the company, but you know what? If you watch the show long enough, you start to like them more. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so um, coming up next here, we've got a split screen interview with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Um, okay, uh, first of all, I'm a little tired of Paul Heyman. I, this was even something that KO made reference to after Paul basically said what he said, KO said, are you really just gonna let him recycle what he's been saying about everybody else too? Um, I caught that line and I thought like, I wonder if maybe they're doing it on purpose, but I, it used to be that Paul Heyman was entertaining, but he could stay a heel, right? You could still hate him, even though you knew he was entertaining and you could have an appreciation for him. I've gotten to the point lately where I'm just kind of tired of Paul. I, you know, I've, I've been a Paul Heyman fan, but just something about the act has gotten stale. I don't know if he's just been on TV for too long consecutively or what it is, but I don't know. See, this is interesting because I wasn't a Paul Heyman fan. I know I liked the Dangerous Alliance, but I didn't really like Paul E. Dangerously. Mm. I never was an ECW fan. It never did anything for me. Those weren't wrestlers to me. They, they didn't look like Scott Steiner and Kevin Nash and Dr. Death Steve Williams and, and The Rock. They, they, they look like your Raven. discount, you know, <laughs> Kmart wrestlers to me. I was never, I was never into the extra violence. I didn't care about that. That just didn't do anything for me. I like his act with, well, most of his time, like in, during the aughts, I was basically on hiatus from wrestling. I poked in, I poked out, I poked in, I poked out. Uh, I was young in my career. I was young in my marriage. I had young kids. I poked back in a little bit more for the one or two years before my kids got into and grew out of wrestling like normal people do. Um, and then I got dragged back into wrestling a few years later through because I had a boring job and I listened to podcasts. I'm like, huh, maybe I'll listen to some wrestling podcasts. And then I started listening to some wrestling podcasts. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I should check out this Lucha Underground thing. And I fell in love with Lucha Underground, which brought me back into watching mainstream wrestling. Anyway, the point of that being is that with Paul Heyman, I enjoyed his work with Brock Lesnar, but it was definitely very repetitive. I know the WWE likes the whole thing where you say the same thing in the crowd chants it too, but I didn't really think it was all that clever all, all the time. Um, I sort of had a bipolar relationship with his work with Roman Reigns. It worked for me in the beginning, but it didn't make too much sense. I, I took the tribal chief thing literally, that it was the Samoan, Tongan, Fijian, you know, sort of the uh, Pacific Islands tribe. Uh, and when Paul Heyman said, when, yeah, when Paul Heyman said, you're my tribal chief, you're my tribal chief during the Jey Uso uh, I quit match. Um, and Roman says, I don't need to hear from you. I need to hear from him. I also took that literally. He doesn't need to hear it from the middle-aged Caucasian Jewish guy. He needs to hear it from his cousin, his tribe. Mm -hmm. um, it never, I never bought it that the extension was the WWE was his tribe, that he was the head of the table of the, of, you know, the entire WWE, SmackDown Raw, and that's what it's turned into. Anyway, skipping over all my little nuances, Last week, I really enjoyed his work. Like I enjoyed his work with with Adam yes, Pierce. So that that was clever. That was that was Paul Heyman scheming and being the special counsel, sort of lawyering. I liked his line that he's not a lawyer, but he belongs to a synagogue with a lot of lawyers, or he knows a, <laughs> he knows a synagogue with a lot of lawyers. I mean, you know, that was 
you know, I, I, you know, yes, that's racial, but not racist. And I know it's different if you do it to yourself and stuff like that. But whatever it was, I liked it. It was funny. Um, this week, it was back to that bipolar thing because the first thing was Paul Heyman saying, Roman, you don't need to expose yourself to this. And he took the, the mic as if he was going to handle it. And then Roman did a lot of talking. Now, I liked a lot of what Roman said. I thought Roman's part in this was good. Just the way Paul started it off and where it went made no sense to me. There was a disconnect there. Yeah. It was never, Roman never said, Jesus, Paul, I can't take this fool. Give me the mic. If he just, if he just inserted that line or listen to this clown, Paul, I'll handle this. I, they, they, they just missed that transition. Yeah. Well, we're definitely in agreement on basically everything that you just said. I, I definitely took the, I definitely took the, the tribal chief thing to be a like family metaphor. Um, It's meant to be like, cause, cause what a real tribal chief is, is it's, it's a, it's the chief or the leader of a small band or group of people, right? It's generally not something that you would say about the head of a, a company. It's not something that you would say, you know, as it's not really meant to be that kind of metaphor like it you know it is a metaphor obviously he's not literally a chief but they even had they even had like uh uh the Afa older yeah they had Afa and Sika come out and basically say to him okay you are the tribal chief now to yeah. me that's very clearly leading they in one direction the, 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 the lay on him yeah, to me, it very much was leading in that direction. And that makes a lot more sense to me because, I mean, frankly, like, I don't care if you're from Florida, you have no idea what's going on, you know, or how to talk to somebody who's from, you know, French Canada, you you don't know how to be their leader, you, 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 you know, that's not the kind of thing that happens. So, you know, there's a reason why we have leaders, you know, of, of smaller factions like that in real life. And I think that for this, it just like, it, like Chris, if you hollow. said to me, Jeff is my guest tonight on the Rational Rage Network. So, Jeff, I am your tribal chief. Like, huh? <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> if you that said, doesn't if work. You said, it's my show. I'm going to run it. This is the format. This is what I do. That makes sense. But if you said, I'm your tribal chief, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what are you talking about? Um, are we talking like Manassas or what? Are, what like what tribe? What are you? What are you even saying? Is it at least a cool tribe? <laughs> like Ephraim, I don't be, I don't be a Pequod. At least tell me I'm a Lakota. <laughs> All right. Okay. Speaking of uh, speaking of mixing metaphors here, um, I, I so I like Roman's character here. Uh, I have liked his character. He speaks quietly but deliberately. There's something very menacing about the way that he speaks, and I like it. Um, I didn't mm -hmm. like that Ko. Uh, kind of weakened the 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 mystique by saying like oh what are you like pretending to be a, a a mafia boss or something and like you know to me you don't you don't cut someone down like that if you're trying to build a program if you're trying to make money with them like this was a thing that i feel like maybe just the rock was good at um you know in cutting people down and still being able to make you want to watch the match but I, I liked think... it. I disagree with you. I actually really like that community theater mafia boss line. I actually okay. typed it because I liked it. Okay. All right. Well, well, I mean, the whole the whole point is that Roman was going personal and Kevin took it personally. He's like, cut the crap. 
I'm not afraid of you. Let's fight. That that's Kevin's thing. It's a, it's a last man standing match. He's not supposed to be afraid of Roman. So I don't think it did anything to undercut the match. And the program's going to be over one way or another after Sunday. Hopefully, I mean, this this if if this lasts any longer, I mean, then then somebody's going to have to lose an eye to to end it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, WWE booking at its finest. Um, yeah, so like I'm a big KO fan. I like I like his promos. I've always been a KO fan. Um, I felt like he was a little repetitive here through this segment. I think he said, watch what you say, Roman about six or seven times and never got more forceful with it. Like, you know, if I'm having a conversation with somebody or if you're watching a UFC thing and somebody's getting so personal that they're talking about the other guy's mom, basically what happens is the guy says, you know what? I'll see you Sunday. And he takes the headset off and he walks away. That's it. Right. There's no, there's no, you, you don't just keep repeating Yo, you better watch what you say, Roman. You better, it just, something about it brought me down. It brought it down for me, but I love both of these guys. These two guys, like to me, Kevin Owens is infinitely better than how WWE has booked him over the last couple of years. And Roman Reigns is in the exact spot he deserves to be. Personally, that's, that's, that's what I think. Um, I like the Roman bill talking about, you know, asking about your father, about your grandfather then it went back to heaven's promo and you know basically it's not your fault your family's fault your your father's a fool because your grandfather's a fool and that's why you're a fool i liked all of that i agree with you because kevin owens kept saying tread carefully and it's sort of like sammy guevara he can't count past (laughs) one because one more thing's been 17 more things you know it's sort of like saying cross this line no cross this line no cross this line (laughs) keep backing up and drawing a new line promo (laughs) saying He's getting personal. I'm going to say, watch your mouth, watch what you're saying. But he forgot that it loses its impact after you say it the second time. Yeah. You know, once you say it the first time, that should be it. Maybe you get one more chance to give someone else a warning, not in wrestling, but maybe you do, you know, but a third time, then a fourth. Yeah. I mean, it, it lost its impact, but that i mean i think we're nitpicking a little bit this, i agree this with you I, I agree with you these are these are two very talented promos and it's not like this this promo was bad it's just you know podcasts i mean what are we doing as a review right you basically do kind of nitpick things like to me i think that a really good way to end this promo would have been you know okay watch what you're saying roman and then maybe one more time and then at the you know maybe when roman really hit his peak on well you know if 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 you're a fool then your father's a fool and your grandfather's a few a fool to me the best way to end this would have been kevin owens just looking in the just looking in the microphone and instead of getting heated and getting angry and yelling he should have just said something to the effect of roman this sunday i'm going to show you what my grandfather taught me right and then kevin hits the off button yeah but i liked roman switching it off that was very yeah it was all it was all good we are nitpicking for sure but but you you saw me but i think that if kevin said something like he was or roman clicked it right before right right, right, you see kevin about to say like fuck you bitch but you only see his mouth move you don't hear the sound (laughs) yeah there's a delay yeah. Turn off like like it was from 1984 with your remote control, um, <laughs> but yeah, it could have been a little bit better. But actually, you know, I I kidded about the Sasha segment, which I did like. I did like that, but this was actually my favorite segment of of the shows. The the Sasha Reginald thing was my second favorite segment of the show. Yeah, no, I'm with you. This was definitely the highlight, and um, 
it just goes to show you that like even a guy like me who's a traditionalist i love in-ring work if you do really really great promo stuff you can still you can still hook me on that right and to me kevin owens and roman reigns are two guys who are capable of that um okay so next up we've got um daniel bryan versus aj styles um, and I literally put, uh, they're doing this so soon. Guess this is going to be a disappointing match. <laughs> and boy, was I right. Um, yeah. So this, this started off, uh, pretty good. Actually. I like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Um, it starts off pretty solid in the ring. They're trading, um, sort of, they've got their fists locked and they're sort of trading monkey flips and stuff like that, but keeping locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks good. It looks like they're struggling to, to get the upper hand in a wrestling match, which, Hey, mm-hmm. shocking to see that. Um, I really did not like that. And I got, I get where they were going with it. I did not like that. While they're doing this in the ring, you've got Daniel Bryan selling, you've got him grabbing his back and wincing in pain. The commentary team and Cesaro are talking about podcasts. They're talking about Cesaro's record. They're talking about everything in the world, except for the match that we're watching in the ring. That's always a nitpick for me. It's always going to be a thing that makes me really frustrated when I'm watching wrestling call what's in the ring yeah and and i think the only point of that was to make you wonder is cesaro a healer a face which really isn't something that we need to wonder about and cesaro hasn't been that important to to worry about it and they could have figured that out in the ring with the same amount of suspense because he was pretty neutral on commentary you're exactly right they should have been calling the action and cesaro being there didn't add anything except i guess it explained why he was there sure yeah and it you know for me it was even like um the the downs from this week really get kind of a they feel more down to me because of how good last week was and last week there was a there was a segment there where cesaro and dolph were in the ring and um Daniel Bryan was on commentary and Cole was asking him a bunch of different questions and he like strongly cut Cole off and said, yeah, all that's fine. But right now there's a really great match happening in the ring and we should be talking about it. And so to go from that last week, which literally made me like put my hands in the air cheering. I was like, yeah, good job, Daniel to this, where they just completely, ignored what was happening in the ring was like maybe it was just a bit of like too too big of a step uh, away from what something that i thought was really good um in my notes here i put uh these two meaning aj and brian could legitimately main event wrestlemania and have the match of the century they're that good they're they're I mean, these guys are two of the absolute best workers that we've had in wrestling period in the last 20 years. They're that good. Um, but the commentary just can't stop talking about everything else that's going on. The, they keep uh, showing Sammy walking around. Um, then Big E comes down. I literally put, fuck well, this Sammy company. Sammy won't be silenced. <laughs> and then and the thing was cesaro didn't seem impressed by sammy but sammy's got his documentarians he's got his signs the, the whole thing um and so the, there was still a mystery about cesaro as to whose side he was on because it really didn't seem like he was that interested in sammy and then Big E came out and and i wrote down why <laughs> yeah 
why is exactly right. Um, anyway, he comes down and then Shinsuke comes down. Uh, it turns into a six man. They come back from break uh, with Shinsuke, I hate Brian. That. I hate when you have one match, it turns into another. And this, this one, this was just the beginning. This was like Voltron. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know why WWE thinks this is a good idea. You turn a singles match into a tag team match or a tag team match into a six man match or an eight man match. But this was just ridiculous. This was this was like uh, they were building like a cheerleading tower, you know, for no apparent reason. But yeah, they, I mean, Biggie came down, I guess, only to attack Sammy. But isn't Biggie also in a feud with Apollo? So where where was Apollo throughout this? I mean, it would have made sense for him to come out at some point. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then uh... and then Zaro seemed to defend Sammy, so I guess he liked him and he attacked Biggie. But is he looking for the Intercontinental Belt? He's never mentioned it, but why not? And then Sammy ran into the ring and attacked Daniel Bryan, which caused a disqualification. So shouldn't AJ be upset about that? Because he's the one who laid down the challenge. But no, they end up on the same team and that there were five people in the ring. And then Nakamura ran in and he goes after AJ Styles. I'm not really exactly sure why. And then they teased him squaring off against Cesaro. But Sammy knocked somebody into Nakamura. So we never saw them decide whether they were going to you know, fight against each other. And that would have been a natural time to stop it. But no, it goes to a commercial. We come back with a, with a six-man match where we've got Big E, Daniel Bryan, and Nakamura on one side, Sammy, AJ Styles, and Cesaro on the other side. So somebody made the decision that Cesaro and Nakamura are on, are on opposite sides without them actually having an explosion. So all of this sort of slow burn and mystery about Cesaro and Nakamura, that payoff is that, there's a commercial and they're just on other sides. That's that's the whole thing. Can you explain that to me? Oh man, I cannot even begin to explain like any of this. So there's a disqualification and then, okay, there's a disqualification. And then when we come back from break, it's a tag match and you're like, okay, somebody made it a tag match, right? Um, that's fine. And then, uh, you know, a couple of minutes into this six man tag match, the Miz and Morrison come out and I'm thinking, okay, well, this will be a disqualification and then it'll just smalls out or whatever. Nope. They get added to the match. Apparently, even though no one officially okay. added them to the match, they just decided to join. Otis comes down. Right. Um, apparently, and by the way, and I hate to interrupt you, but I mean, Sonia Deville was there in the, in the official role. Why not use her to say, to say, this is going to be the match. You know, Adam Pierce does that on both shows. If she's there because Adam Pierce can't cover both shows, she's she's paid. Have her do it. She can do it. She's a good talker. She's it, it's not that much. Go, okay, here's the deal. Or if Ms. Renat go, if you two want to come out there, this match is official. And it, it, it was just it's just things happened without any order. And like Daniel Bryan was was acting like his left knee was injured, but that really didn't become a major part of the story at all. Um, because Daniel Bryan seems to always be trying to tell a story, even when he's put into situations like this where there's no possibility. Maybe that'll be the reason he doesn't win the Royal Rumble. I mean, is that going to be a case? Somebody attacks his left knee, and so he starts a feud with Sami Zayn or Cesaro or something like that. I don't know. Afterwards, I know Daniel Bryan is sort of like a. a not a Loki, but he's sort of a, a favorite to win the, the Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure that the cards are in it for him this year, but I, could, I don't rule him out. But maybe, I mean, I would almost think that 
that's one of the reasons he was doing this knee injury thing. But at the same time, they seemed to forget about it once it became a Donnybrook. So I think that maybe you're right. Daniel Bryan was just trying to tell a story and nobody else was reading the book. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of sounds like WWE lately. Anyway, the, the end of this really made me laugh because <laughs> they're already just everybody came down to the ring and they're allowed to be in this match because whatever. Mm-hmm. Seamus's music hits he comes down to the ring and instead of just cleaning house he stands on the apron and puts his hand out what you you just get to join a tag match and follows the, the rules of the match like my goodness yeah, you know listen if nobody else is going to listen to to ftr Seamus will he's going to hold <laughs> that tag rope and he's going to wait to be tagged he's he's really uh, taking uh, their words hard but this she- was Seamus a is a grilling man with tag team match Right. Yes. JR and, and, and uh, FTR, they, you know, Tully has gotten into his ear. Again, Tully, two Tully references during the SmackDown review. Um, this was, I've now said this three times, this was a nine-man tag team match <laughs> for, for a portion. Whose idea was that? I, oh my goodness. This, like this seemed like AEW type mistakes where it's just everyone like, like, so, so I have, I have a, a phrase that I like to use for like young buck matches when they, when there's like multiple man matches and the young bucks are involved. My phrase is everyone is everywhere doing everything and I can't follow shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they were a little bit well, better than that here. Um, but the logic behind who's in the match and who's not in the match and when are they coming in and what's a disqualification. And I mean, if it was already going to be a nine man match anyway, why was almost still on the side of the ring? Like, why not just, why not just jump up on the side? I like, (laughs) right. Like what, what, what's his role? Sometimes like he interferes a little bit only, you know, when he really feels like it. Yeah. Why is the seven foot seven guy, you know, not more of a presence in, in, in this Schmaz Donnybrook. And so the whole purpose of this match apparently was to fool us that Sheamus is, is a face, fool us that not that Cesaro is a heel or convince us that Cesaro is a heel. Um, and then for Braun to come in and r- remind us he exists, Roar, he's still big and scary, but he's a face because he only, uh, you know, what, what, I don't even know what that that move is called when he does the running around pounces, his his, his steamroller basically. <laughs> yeah, those but are he's only doing that to the bad guys. So he's a, a mon- he's a he's a friendly monster. Yeah, he's back to being the friendly neighborhood monster man. Um, <laughs> yeah, this whole ending just made me laugh. They had a segment right before he came out where everyone hit their finisher in consecutive sequence. And that always makes me laugh. But when there's nine guys doing it, I was just left like laughing. I just thought like, this is, I mean, you would have seen this in airplane. This is not like, this is not what you would see in actual combat. This is ridiculous. Oh, this was, yeah. This was very much, I mean, honestly, this is, this is five, six years ago. This is Ring of Honor's fault. And AEW caught it and WWE caught it. The only difference with WWE is, is it's, like you said, it's more, it's less chaotic. And I'm not even sure that that's better or worse. Cause if everybody's doing everything everywhere, yeah, it's harder to follow, but it does sort of make a little bit more sense. Um, it's, this is too choreographed that the too many people waiting their turn um 
I don't like it in either organization. I don't like it when Ring of Honor used to do it, but th- this was just weird. No, I'm with you. So yeah, yeah, the show ends with Strowman. Like you said, he basically comes down, he clears house. He looks in the, he looks in the camera and he screams, I'm back. And he snarls. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Color me unimpressed with Braun Strowman. Again, his physique looks amazing. I mean, the guy looks mm-hmm. like he looks like he would eat you, but I think, I think they may have honestly just taken yeah. too long. You booking wouldn't him. Be, I'm, I'm- I'm too many cards and I'm full of fat. <laughs> I am not lean meat. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have a little bit of marbling too. Uh, <laughs> but as I like far- that. I'm gonna from I'm the one I'm marbled. That's right. You're marbled. Um, as far as Strowman goes, uh, yeah, he looks impressive. Um, I feel like they just took too long to book this guy the way that they should have. And they're never going to be able to get the impact out of him that they could have when he was about a year and a half, maybe two years into this run. Um, and as far as the rumble, I think that he has, especially the fact that he stood tall at the end and looks big. Uh, there's no way he wins the rumble this year. Am I wrong? Ron? Yeah. I think that there's a pretty good chance that, that Braun is going to win unless they pull a surprise and pull the trigger on Brock Lesnar back mm-hmm. or Keith Lee isn't hurt and, and they're sort of trying to freshen him up. I mean, but yeah, th- those are, those are my three picks. Keith Lee is my favorite, but I'm starting to be concerned that there might actually be something wrong with him, which brings me back to doubting the whole timeline of, of Drew uh, McIntyre and COVID thing, um, which I, speculated upon maybe irresponsibly at jump but and i guess i still am um <laughs> but uh yeah keith lee is my pick braun is my likely you know semi-dark horse and my surprise dark horse is brock no one else really figures into my calculations okay so let me let me book this for you i'm going to tell you how they're going to do it and i'm only doing this based off of what i think wwe will do this has nothing to do with what i want we've established already i don't particularly care for this uh this wrestler um i think goldberg wins in the opening match against drew Uh, he takes the wwe championship from him and then he enters the rumble and wins the rumble so that he can main event against roman reigns what do you think I know that everybody is afraid of that. I know that the Russell Votes cryptic report made everyone be afraid that, that Goldberg's not only going to beat Drew, but he's going to win, win the Royal Rumble and go after Roman. My only response to that is I, I, I don't put it past WWE to be that dumb, but my belief, and this was confirmed by Goldberg months ago, is that he's on, con- he's on retainer for two matches a year. They pay him for two matches a year. Match against Drew, the Royal Rumble, those are two matches. He's done. So unless they're going to pay him again for another match where they're only going to be selling 15,000 tickets in a, in a 50,000 ticket venue where nobody buys pay-per-views because everybody has gets it on the, net, the network or pirates it, why pay Goldberg again when, nobody's, when, when it doesn't bring in... I mean, it's not like Raw's ratings have gone up. They've actually sort of gone down or stayed the same. So what's the point? It's like Sting on on AW. He spiked the ratings once and then nothing. Um, 
but Vince is more stubborn than AEW, so I can't rule it out. But so I'm going to follow the money, and I'm going to go with he's got a two contract. The, his there is a valid fear that his, his the Goldberg two step dances win the title, lose the title. Um, so I am worried about that, but I'm not worried about win the title, win the Rumble, go after another title, and then lose the title because that's that's and then lose the other title because that would be at least five matches in a year on a two match a year contract. So. I don't think that's the case. Not that they don't have the money for it. I just don't think they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, they did just sign a new a new contract for streaming, so they've got the they cash. Have plenty of money. <laughs> listen, if no, I I don't them, actually think that that's where they're going. I, I, and I really, really hope that it isn't. I don't see that as the logical booking either. But just something about the way that the WWE wants to book fifty-year-old Goldberg makes me wonder mm-hmm. if there's not something really ridiculous being considered here. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if, if I didn't tell you that, that, that that was not a legitimate fear. I just think that all of that is out there just so people are talking about that. I just don't see, I don't think they're going to pay edge for more than three matches a year. I don't think they pay Goldberg for more than two. When Brock is under contract, if he's there for 12 appearance a year, he does 12 appearances a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That I mean, they they do stick to it. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's, yeah, there's, there's less to be worried about with Goldberg. And I really hope that it, that it is. I mean, I said last week that I really like me. I think the right usage for Goldberg, um, he's fine to do this match with Drew. I think that the right booking for him would be to lose to Drew um, and then to face Kevin Owens at the at the at WrestleMania and lose to 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 Kevin Owens, uh, but that's that's just me with the logical. Let's build the next generation booking and the, the WWE. Uh, I don't know if they remember how to do that anymore. Well, I mean, if you want to do the next generation, I'm not sure I would do it on a 39 year old guy either. So mm, true <laughs> enough. But... Maybe I'd find a 29 year old guy and try to do it there, but. Uh... Um, I, I don't know what the right role for Goldberg is. I, I, I agree with you. There's a place for him in, in this world. I just think that there could have been others, a handicap match with Miz and Morrison. That could have been sure. fun and stupid and five minutes long, mm-hmm. um, spear versus spear against edge. Okay. It doesn't make much sense, but it makes some sense. Let the sure. two old guys go at it. Um, you know, Seamus is like, hey, fella, you don't get to just step in here and challenge me best mate, Drew. Seamus is sort of a heel. You know, he's sort of a face. Let him be. If you want to get to Drew, you at least have to go through me. You don't just get a title shot to you. You think you're a big shot? I been, I was wrestling around when you were wrestling. I'm also a big shot. You know, that that's a horrible accent. But let him fight with Seamus. I mean, that, 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 that'd be fine, too. I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't need to be in the title picture. I mean... I hated about WWE that you get that some people get a title shot just by claiming so. Yet doofuses like Drew Gulak say, "I declare myself for the Royal Rumble," and and then it's like, "Nah, you're not Royal Rumble material." Yeah. But Dal Ziegler and attack Drew McIntyre from behind, and and he gets four matches, yep. losing them all. But you know, so it's dumb. I mean, it, it it's just dumb. And for all of the things I can criticize and do criticize AEW about not not treating their rankings as contenderships, always having tournaments instead of the rankings, having battle royals or gimmicks when they don't need gimmicks. 
there at least tends to be some rationale for who is going after the championship at any given time. Uh, WWE, it's just they sort of pluck something out of the sky and say, well, we're going to drop Goldberg in here, and then and, and there it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not into the whole thing. No, agreed. They do way too much booking of undeserving people challenging for championships. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> that's that's going to about do it. Um, that's going to about do it for our uh, SmackDown review. I'll put it this way. Uh, Jeff being my co-host tonight, he was not an undeserving run-in. He was definitely a guy who's been paying his dues, doing great podcasting. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a legend in his own, in his own right, uh, but he's not just a legend. He's been putting in work. So just wanted to say thank you, Jeff, for being on with me. Uh, I'll give you a second and plug your stuff, man. Where can people listen to you? Uh, since I know if they're listening, they want to listen to more. Oh, well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you for Jimmy for giving me the, the chance to fill in for you tonight. I'm sure the audience misses you and I'm sure they're going to get lots of hate mail about who is that ass? Where's the Australian accent with Jimmy? We love you. You're so happy. And that guy's so bitter. Um, but uh, yeah, thank <laughs> no, you for the you, you need to listen. To, um, you need to listen harder. <laughs> Jimmy's bitter too. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I listened to the skirmish and you guys really do sound sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. So I, I actually felt your pain a couple of times. I'm like, geez, I nitpick, but they sound, they, they sound pain. Um, anyway, here's where you can find me fellows. Uh, I have a wrestling podcast called the hammerlock hangover. I co-host with a guy named Steve Pena. Some people might know him as big daddy cool on Twitter and, uh, you know, check it out. I think you're going to like it. We, we're not a blow by blow show and we tend to try to do a deep dive into one topic every week. We've had some great guests. Uh, we've had Kevin Castle on from the DTKC universe. We've had Anthony Austin, formerly from the Dirt Sheet Dudes, John Kiernan, who writes wrestler entry themes, including just working on one with Michael Tarver, who you remember from the Nexus for Shane Taylor just dropped like yesterday. He did PJ Black's music. He did Brian Myers, who most of you know as Kurt Hawkins. He's the internal musician for UWN. Um, so we, we have fun guests. We, we, I'm a lawyer in real life, so we go into things like trademarks and some of the litigation, and, and we did a deep dive on the union. So check out Hammerlock Hangover. There's only 15 episodes, so if you want to listen to them all, and, and I'll just tell you that the first one, I felt it was a little rough, but by episode three, I feel like we got our groove. I also have my own podcast called Garden of Doom, which is a little bit like the CryptoCast, um, but it's sort of all over the place. It's sort of like if CryptoCast met Chris's uh, far center uh, and had crazy triplets. Um, and actually, I, I had a co-host, some of you may know him, Shaheen from uh, Nuclear Heat Graphics. He did Wrestling Overdose. He's on Being the Apocalypse. So Half the shows are with him and some other guests. I, I often work with the guys from a Newman experience. Chris was on one of my shows. Um, and he's certainly going to be on again, Kevin Castle. Um, but we're sort of all over the place, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. And I'm also part of the UPR universe. That's Unpopular Review. You can follow it on YouTube and Facebook, Twitch, and every place else. But we do live stream review shows. Uh, I'm on the Wednesday night NXT AEW show. I generally cover AEW and sometimes I'm sort of like the batter up the utility demand for other stuff. So 
check that stuff up off if you want to, or at least subscribe and download just to make me feel good. Well, thank you so much again for being on here with me, Jeff. Uh, great, great show. Always love being on here with you. Uh, I love our back and forth. Hopefully everybody listening loved the back and forth too. Um, if you're listening in, we love you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, for the PWC Presents, uh, I've been Chris Ams. He's been Jeff Lippman. Thank you. Good night.
You are listening to the Rational Rage Network.